Hi, I'm Tristan Miller, and you're listening to Positive and Negative, a podcast about the intersectionality between mental health and the arts. This week's guest is Josh Gondelman. He is a comedian and writer. We have a great discussion about healthy working habits and the desire for closeness in personal and professional capacities. Here he is talking about overworking yourself. Scheduling time that is not work mm-hmm. as as intentionally it. as you would schedule work. Like I, I think just assumed that like like recreation and like decompression is not just the absence of scheduled work. Does that make sense? Where <laughs> yeah. and that's it's what like I assumed for cold. Yes, yeah. That's what I assumed for a long yeah. time, right? Yeah. Like if it's not hot, it must be cold. Mm-hmm. But like what I was really doing was like, if it's not hot, I'll find a way to make it hot. <laughs> and, and I think that's like, so that was the fallacy that I was operating under that, that like I would just do fun and like friendship and maintain my relationships in the cracks between the work that I've scheduled, the mm-hmm. professional obligations I've scheduled. This podcast is brought to you in part by Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Tristan J. Miller to support this and other programs like it. You can follow Josh at Josh Gondelman on Twitter and me at Tristan J. Miller 1. Please, you know, rate, review, subscribe. You know the derail. Josh has a book coming out on the 17th of September 2019 called Nice Try, Stories of Good Intentions and Mixed Results. You can pre-order it on his website, which we have linked in the show notes. All right. I hope you enjoy the interview as much as I did. So, uh, when did you start doing comedy? I started, oh my gosh, an embarrassingly long time ago. And, uh, <laughs> I started doing stand-up in the summer of 2004. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, but I was doing, mm-hmm. it was the summer after my freshman year of college, and so I'd been doing improv at, uh-huh. uh, at school, and then when I finished for the summer, basically, I started exploring like open mics around Boston, mm-hmm. where I, I grew up around there, and I, I went to school also around there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, what's that like? The um, the scene there? Yeah, or what was it like growing up in the Oh, I, um, so I grew up in the suburbs, and I mm-hmm. liked it very much. It was very, um, pretty quiet. I, I also liked, it was nice to live, like, within access of a city. I had access yeah. to a city and all its things. So, like, by the time I was... You know, my friends had cars, or like we, my par- our parents were cool with us, um, like taking the train into the city. Yeah, we could do things. Like there were things to do. There was culture, and uh, mm-hmm. but it, we didn't. I, but I grew up kind of in a smaller environment, which is nice, just because I think like I kind of, um, I I kind of flourished. I was like kind of a a very sweet, gentle kid. Yeah, and I don't know that I would have flourished as much in like a more competitive uh, hustle and bustle environment. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, like, not to hit it on the head too much, but like, Boston also has a reputation for being kind of stern, yeah. if you will. Yeah. So what was that like being kind of a, a soft kid in a hard place? I, I kind of like it in that it wasn't yeah. like, there, there's there's something about it that I really enjoyed because I think I'm not a big believer in like, that kind of like old timey mentality of like you gotta bully kids. Yeah. But I do like the, uh, when people are hard to impress, and I sure. think a lot of that is um comes from being in growing up in the Boston area and like not playing for the Red Sox. <laughs> so like there was not you know like when I when I started comedy, there are like a lot of local. This sounds almost like a pejorative, but there are a lot of, to say a local legend, but there are a lot of people yeah. who are like incredibly capable professionals and who have a long, who've long history careers in stand-up in Boston. And so like when you are starting, mm-hmm. you are just that you're not like a famous person, yeah. but you're specifically not like a beloved yeah. figure of like... Um, patron saint of yeah, comedy. Like a yeah, patron, right. I mean, because there are people, there are headliners there that have been doing it for like 30 plus years wow. who are just like absolute murderers. And, and <laughs> yeah. it's, so to come up and see that, it's like mm-hmm. great to learn from in comedy, but it's also like the, the audiences know 
I think there are some places, not necessarily, not like specific cities, but like there are places that are less, that have less of a history of Mm -hmm. local comedy. And so either you see a famous person or you're like happy for the comedy that comes through, right? Yeah. And in Boston, it's like, there's no sense of like gratitude just that someone came. (laughs) Yeah. If you're not good, then they are not impressed. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so you started doing comedy after you were doing improv. Yeah. Um, and what was that transition to write? I think I'm always, yeah. I've always been more of a writer than like a mm-hmm. performer. Uh-huh. And I mean, that or, makes sense now. Yeah. <laughs> or at least I like them in similar measure. And improv, mm-hmm. there is no writing. Yeah. And all, I mean, there's practice, but there's mm-hmm. no like trying something, getting it slightly wrong, improving it incrementally. And that's yeah. like what I like about stand-up is like, oh, almost, and then I'll, like, say it a little different tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it was bad, just be like, oh, well, that's that's it for that one, and, <laughs> and, and I'll try a new one. Yeah. Or, like, knowing that there are things you can do that are, like, in your repertoire that, that you can fall back on is mm-hmm. very comforting to me. Whereas the, I, I am just, like, too much of a thinker and not enough of a, like, um, truster to do... <laughs> To be really good at improv, because I'm always like yeah. in my head being like, I gotta come up with a line rather than like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm gonna be super present in this moment. Yeah, absolutely, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so when you started doing comedy and so forth, did you, you see, if you see yourself as a writer, did you always like, did you write sketches as well, I, or not as much? I mean, I did sketch a little bit in college, mm-hmm. but I was a creative writing major. I okay. came in thinking I was gonna be a playwright, like that was. Like, oh, really? Yeah. That I went, so I went to Brandeis and I started thinking like, oh, I'm going to be a playwriting major. And Mm -hmm. I knew I went there in part because I knew I could write like a creative work as a thesis. That was what I looked for when I was looking for schools. So like I thought maybe it would be a play. And then it turned out that it just like the, the kind of like theater history and Mm -hmm. the, um, the requirements for that major were like less appealing to me than like sitting in a room and writing and then reading and then doing the other kind of like, performance stuff on my own agenda rather than mm-hmm. like okay you're doing a practicum where you uh are stage crew for um a, a midsummer night stream yeah it just like yeah. wasn't i was like okay like i get the appeal of that and i get why mm-hmm. that's important but like that's not what i wanted out of like a writing a writing degree you that know? makes sense yeah, yeah. Do you do any theater growing up as well? I or? did. I, I mean, I did in high school. I mm-hmm. performed in, um, in like, the school plays. Mm-hmm. And r- I wrote a play that there's... In Massachusetts, there's this high school drama guild competition, oh, yeah, this yeah. festival. Yeah. And so I did... It's, like, competitive plays. Mm-hmm. And so I did that... <laughs> I think three, I was in either two or three of those. And then I, there's a playwriting competition that I entered my senior year and won. Yeah. So that's kind of, and I'm like such a, um, I'm, I'm such a front runner in terms of like, oh, people say I'm good at this. I guess I'll do this more. Okay. And so I was like, oh, that felt good. It like felt Mm -hmm. good that it came off well. And like, then we put on the play at a local theater Yeah. and uh, it just felt you know, it's all it's stuff that I'm sure, like, I would be mortified if people saw now. But it was, like, as a 17, 18-year-old, it course, felt really yeah. validating and, like, ex- uh, exciting. Yeah, it's like, you're, I am good at this and I enjoy doing this, so yeah. I'm on the right path. Yes, that's exactly it. I, like, mm-hmm. grow towards the light like a plant. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what do you look for now when you're starting to write uh, either uh, a bit for the a television you're on or, like, sure. how does that process begin? Um. So when for TV. Yeah. So I've been writing full-time for television for the past several years. Number one. Congratulations. Um, thank That's you. a difficult thing to do. Thank you. It's I, I really like it, and I, I feel very fortunate to have had that experience and, and to continue to have it, hopefully. <laughs> um, but... I think oh, I like homework, so I mm-hmm. like the idea of, like, here's what we need this week. Like, mm-hmm. fill fill this bucket with ideas. Like, whether it's we have um, a guest that's available, what would be a cool thing to do with them? Or mm-hmm. we have we want to do a sketch about something in the news, like pitch angles on it. Or, mm-hmm. like, what's a news story that we could cover? Because I've worked in, in late night um, mm-hmm. So what's a new story that we could cover that w- that would be funny and, and interesting to people? And so I like that kind of assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, and with stand-up, it's more... So, uh, you know, so I start with just kind of thinking about, like, what about these ideas is interesting to me? Yeah. Um, which is so 
basic, but I think it's, di- I, I try to come at it from that point of view rather than like what will be popular Yeah, of course. Um, or like what is the a zeitgeisty mm-hmm. thing, especially because I just like, it'll be more fun for me to write yeah. if I pitch something that I'm like, Ooh, I would love to do this. Mm-hmm. So I, or I think it also stops you from doing the thing that someone else is going to do. If you're like, yeah. okay, Mueller report came out. Let's try to do like some kind of joke math to figure out like what the most, the, the clearest, brightest example of a way to cover it is. Mm-hmm. Whereas like if you dig a little bit and find an angle that's like a little less um, accessible, I think it can be really rewarding yeah. and you're not going to end up like overlapping with as many people. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Yeah. And with, and with stand-up, I think a lot of it comes from just, like, having a new experience that I have new thoughts about. Oh. Yeah. Like, whether... Or, you know, sometimes it's not even a new experience. Sometimes it's an an older experience that, that I have new thoughts. You know, something that yeah. I'm seeing with fresh eyes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because things change when you get older. Yeah, totally. Yeah, when you get on. older or, like, when you're... If you're in a relationship for a long time, mm-hmm. romantic relationship, the similar experiences have different sentiments and connotations to them mm-hmm. and and so I'm trying to like it's again it's like being very present and like noticing things I'm a lot better at like when you're like hey here's a thing and I go oh I can shape this up into something presentable sure. so my my challenge a lot of it is like noticing something that I can convince people is interesting <laughs> yeah uh, that makes sense yeah so I've just been like the the newest stand up bit that I have is just trying is about like the um the idea that many of my female friends when they get their hair cut there's like a photo with the hairdresser Mm -hmm. that they're promoting because they're enthusiastic about their work Mm -hmm. and they have a a personal relationship and it's just like the opposite of how it is when I get my hair cut which is (laughs) like it's for efficiency it's um the the I'm not friends with the guy it's uh, maybe not even the same guy. Yeah, maybe not even the same. Like, it might be, it might not. I, like, sometimes mm. don't notice. <laughs> so, like, it's that kind of thing. Um, You've blurred out their face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's They're all in witness protection as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> no, but it's... I actually really like the place that I, that I go to get my hair cut, but there's just, like, not a culture of that. Oh, yeah. Of that kind of, like, hey, uh, new cut, thank you so much, um, Stavros, or, like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, like... Uh, yeah. the guy's name is um, and, and so like that but that was just an experience that I was like you know I would see it on Instagram and, and, and on social media and then it took me like a few you know a while to be like oh that's a thing that I'm noticing that I don't know that other people think is a phenomenon or mm-hmm. have the same thoughts about yeah this kind of like envy of that um, like closeness yeah with a with a person who you have this excuse me, customer-client relationship with. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Like, there's some sort of emotional intimacy with someone who's just, mm-hmm. like, you're at you're paying them. Yes, to do exactly. But it's, yeah. like, it's also more than that. And yeah. it's not... And the joke isn't, like, this is stupid. Yeah, it's like... The, jo- oh. the joke is, like, this is such a a tender interaction and mm-hmm. such a, a um, an enthusiastic one. And I don't have that in my life. I lack that. It, not in my life, but in my um, <laughs> yeah, with with the guy that life. cuts my hair. Yeah, yeah my yeah. hair life. Which <laughs> I have a very I have a very rich and um, fruitful life and a very impoverished hair life. <laughs> and, and do you think you crave that, like uh, that emotional intimacy in general? And does that play into like wanting to be present with people and in the performing? Yeah, I think yeah. like I really like to feel close to people yeah um yeah i think that's something so it's it's not necessarily that i particularly care that i have that with the guy that cuts my hair like yeah you know it takes 10 minutes and i'm mm-hmm. in and i'm out and i would kind of rather this you know if we don't have much in common which i don't think we do mm-hmm. to to keep the small talk small and that's yeah. okay but like i think part of it is because that's something i value in general that's what i notice about mm-hmm. um about this phenomenon, right? Is like, it must be nice to feel this closeness with someone yeah. rather than like um, noticing something about the particular hairstyles or wanting to like mock the very like earnest and enthusiastic 
social media phenomenon yeah. on its face, you know, because like there's yeah. no there's no need to like take a swipe at that because that's I don't it, it's fine. It's yeah. like a totally fine thing to do, mm-hmm. and it's very sweet. And and in a outside of the personal realm, it's like a generous thing to do for someone's business, right? Absolutely, is to yeah. like promote someone's business because you like their work and you want mm-hmm. them to thrive. And so like. I would also do that. I like the the guy that I that cuts my hair asked me to write a Google review. Like mm-hmm. I went and got my hair cut two days ago, and I like am going to do that. But mm-hmm. it's not the same. Like I'm not also going to like post my new haircut and mm-hmm. in front of the window and yeah. like the salon. It's not like a salon with um, amenities that look impressive sure. to showcase. Uh, but yeah, I think that mm-hmm. the reason that the the I took the angle on that joke that I do is like uh, is. Because I think that's where my brain goes. Of like, mm-hmm. oh, what I can express is like a desire for um, intimacy, and mm-hmm. then like conversely, the funny part of that is like what my experience is getting yeah. my hair cut. <laughs> you know that it's like that's it, it's not funny to be like I love to connect with people. <laughs> that's like almost <laughs> sad to say as stand up. It's like incredibly needy. Um, yeah, but like to. I th- I think it's the subtext of every stand-up. I, that's certainly true. Yeah. But it is, like, to make that textual is, like, <laughs> it is a very vulnerable... And I say yeah. it, but I say this is very vulnerable of me mm-hmm. to, to admit, but I'm very jealous of the relationships my female friends have with their hairdressers. Yeah. And so, like, I think that that's... The funny part is, like, is the contrast between what they have and what I have. It's not the, mm-hmm. the feeling. Sure, that makes sense. And, um... Do you mind me asking this? Like, do do you think that craving for emotional mm-hmm. closeness? Do you think that came from having a lot of it growing up, or not enough, or just a right amount? And so you like? I wouldn't... don't know. Okay. I think that's a really good question. I don't mind that you asked. Thank I, you. <laughs> I definitely did not grow up with like a dearth of emotional connection, mm-hmm. um, but I I really like it. Like I like when people when you're like hey man how's it going and they give you like a real answer mm-hmm. and and I don't mind like I have a I appreciate small talk when it's necessary because like not everyone is someone you want to have a deep conversation <laughs> oh, with yeah. but like you know if you run into a friend at a, a show or a party or you uh, even at, at work and you go hey how's your weekend and mm-hmm. they go oh you know it was actually really great like I've been um I, I've been traveling a lot and I haven't spent a lot of time with my partner and mm-hmm. this weekend we we just like watched a lot of stuff on Netflix and it felt very emotionally nourishing mm-hmm. that's great or yeah. if they go you know it was really awful like my my dog died and I I just don't know like it feels weird to be so sad but I'm so sad yeah and then you go oh well thank you for mm-hmm. trusting me with that and like I would like to be there for you if you if you need that, and, and I appreciate that kind of like openness. Yeah. I'm not like, whoa, TMI, <laughs> you know, which some people I think are. It's yeah. like they, there is also something to be said for like having firm boundaries about like yeah. who you make yourself available to in that way. Yeah, I think specifically because if you're an open person, I think people can take advantage of that pretty quickly mm-hmm. of like, oh, this person always will listen to what I have to say sure. despite whether or not they need to be listened to. Yes, that's true. I think I also, though, have, like, a pretty high threshold and high tolerance for, like, listening. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, like, pretty... I'll I'll make my uh, myself heard emotionally <laughs> yeah. if I need to. Sure. So I have, that's you know, good. That's a healthy balance. Yeah, I try to, ha- to have that. But there are also, like, you know, there are people, I think, that, I, that you encounter who will... They'll do a lot of... Mm-hmm. Um, downloading their feelings to yeah. you and then they're like oh shoot gotta go mm-hmm. and like I always feel you know I do that I, I feel like I do it the most actually when I talk to my parents like check in with oh, them oh sure you know yeah. call them on the phone and like I will there will be times where we'll talk for you know they'll ask a question I'll just be off to the races and then 20 minutes later I'm like gotta go and I'll feel like oh I should have asked them like a question yeah singular yeah I, I have caught myself doing that sometimes yeah. as well and like I think specifically with your parents it's hard because like you're used to being the person giving them information because growing up that's what the she was yes and that's that's i um i've had that relationship with my parents i feel very like they would hear me and listen to me and Mm -hmm. like you know it was always my when i went to college 
my sister, who's t- three years younger than me, but was two grades behind me, mentioned that, like, after I was gone, it was just, like, she had to field many more questions from my parents. <laughs> and it wasn't like they cared more about her than they did before. It's just, like, I took up a lot of oxygen <laughs> in the room. Sure. Um, so I saw on your Instagram. Yes. Um, you, you said this thing about, like, the way you like to write. When you were on a couch Oh, landing. yes, yes, yes. Was this yes. a joke, or do you actually like to No, write that's it? true. I prefer to be fully reclined. Yeah. That is, like, my ideal yeah? work posture is, like, lying the way I do it because we have I can be specific often Mm -hmm. it will be I'm lying on my back we have two love seats instead of a long couch sure that we'd inherited from my grandmother and so I will sit and the the arms are very soft and low slung so I will sit with my head on one arm Mm -hmm. and then lying on my back my feet propped up on the other arm (laughs) making kind of a like a tent with my dog underneath, like in the crook of my knees. I do. I have a small dog, yeah. So she weighs about 24 pounds. She fits real snug mm-hmm. under there. <laughs> and so that is like my, that's how I prefer to work. I, except for, that's for writing long form things. If I'm mm-hmm. doing stand up, I usually, uh, writing stand up, I usually sit up and write longhand. Yeah, what do you think that is? I, um, Excuse me. I feel like if it's something I'm going to have to say again later, it helps me commit it to memory to write pen to paper. That makes sense. Yeah. I I think that's why it is. Yeah. So, and when I'm writing on a computer, I will not, I don't have to like hold it in my head in the same way. Mm-hmm. So I can keep it in the computer and then look at it again and tweak mm-hmm. it that way. But like when it's stand up stuff, I kind of like to be a little bit more alert mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like what I'm indicating to myself physically, like, okay, we're sitting up, we're looking at the page, we're writing, uh, or I'm writing, uh, I'm sitting up, but they, and that is just like, I'm going to have to look back at this tonight, or uh, I'm going to, I want to make sure that I'm like, really focused I'm not going to, like, be able to delete these words and rewrite them again. So, like, get them right the first time mm-hmm. or get them close to right the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, And there's some... Like, there's, obviously people write in different ways, but there's some people who think that you have to be a certain level of, like, uncomfortable or anxious to be productive. Yeah. Whereas the thing you kind of suggest with that is you like to be relaxed. Yes. Um, are, do you feel that, like, any sort of anxiety hinders that, or...? I, um, I do prefer to be relaxed. Yeah. I, and it's, it's, I think it's physical comfort. Mm-hmm. But also, I think if I am mentally anxious i'm probably not quite as productive yeah i get a little or even like if it's in a good way even if i'm like very excited in an Mm -hmm. anxious way i think that there are certain things that i do very well in that like i will but also i think i get a little scattered Mm -hmm. i don't focus on like long assignments like if i get good news that i'm really excited about but i also have like an assignment due, oh, yeah. I will probably like do something that is work adjacent mm-hmm. in like a like a frenzy of enthusiasm mm-hmm. rather than focusing on the thing that takes like sustained attention. Mm-hmm. So it'll be like uh, answering a bunch of emails or mm-hmm. like promoting a bunch of th- you know like promoting shows or something on social media, mm-hmm. which is like work, but it's not create. It's not like, generative yeah. of anything. Yeah. So, um. But yeah, I think like when I am physically comfortable and like mm-hmm. mentally relaxed, I will do the best mm-hmm. job of working. Um, does that take any amount of effort on your part? It sometimes does. It sometimes, uh, it sometimes it pretty it comes pretty naturally. I'm like a pretty at ease person, um, but like I think having routines helps me. Like mm-hmm. I will when I'm home in the morning. Uh, if I'm, if I'm working from home, I, like, go up, I'll get up and get a coffee and, um, you know, get back on the, come back to the couch and be like, okay, now it's time to, like, get things done mm-hmm. with, with like, my Dunkin' Donuts uh, <laughs> iced coffee. Whereas, like, I could, even if I'm not, like, oh, I need coffee to think, it's just, mm-hmm. like, once I have the coffee, it is time to go to work. Yes. Which is helpful. Um, because otherwise there's, there's no, like, line of demarcation from when the kind of morning dicking around ends and we're like, okay, it's time to work begins for me. But yeah, that makes sense because there's that Elizabeth Gilbert thing of like, you should be wearing like jeans or pants. Yeah, which I do. Uh, Usually. 
I'm um, how often do you write with no pants? No, I no, it's mm-hmm. always some kind of pants. Yeah. But like, even if it's sweatpants, it like won't be what I slept in. Okay, that's I'll like put something good. on, like you know, like errand run, like errand running clothes at mm-hmm. least. Like, um, but I do, I believe in that of like getting dressed for the day, whatever yeah. that means, as opposed to like rolling out of bed because it doesn't, it shouldn't feel like the same thing. And yeah. at the same time, it helps like. It, on the other the other way it helps to like get out of work mode mm-hmm. to be like okay i'm getting into like soft pants and <laughs> i'm not yeah. i'm not going to um i i'm not holding myself to the same standards of like productivity and accountability yeah which is important i think like when you're when you have any kind of creative pursuit that exists outside of like an office mm-hmm. right like i anything that where there's like um a more um open world of like what you want to accomplish and like the appetite for the work you can do mm-hmm. it's easy to like keep yourself on the clock all the time yeah and that's like a big challenge in my life is like is like turning off the light on my taxi or whatever metaphor you yeah. want to use and just being like i'm uh i'm not available for work right now mm-hmm. and how do you go about that like i that's a good question as well. <laughs> I will try to, I mean, a lot of it hinges on like getting stuff done mm-hmm. in a timely manner. Sure. In terms of like, you know, it's it's very easy to soak up all the time you have with the work yeah. you have. But then it's just like being understanding of, like, I don't do a great, I could do better at this of getting an email and going like, I can respond in the morning. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not just because I received this message does not mean the person who sent it is owed a reply instantaneously. And, and I think that kind of stuff is like, I tried to, I was just talking to a friend who's a, um, like a incredibly funny, super hardworking standup. And he was like, how do you do? And he's like, I know you haven't been out like every night at this, now that you're at this day job, like how do you manage that? And I mm-hmm. understood immediately because, like, as a stand-up, the idea of like yeah. being up every night is like a virtue that is drilled into you early on. Yes, and it's also, but it's also like at this point in my life and career, it is not desirable or sustainable to work seven nights a week, yeah, uh, fifty-two weeks a year, yeah. And so I said, like, I I try. I told it's uh, it was Shane Torres who asked oh, me. He sure. was like, how do you how do you cope with having like nights off and that being okay yeah. and um i i said like i just try to treat the other parts as like also necessary yeah like i another thing i have to get done today is like reading a book for fun or watching this week's episode of bob's burgers with yeah. my wife and like that not that it feels like work but you know because it does it it is like mm-hmm. greatly pleasurable to do those things yeah but the idea it like in my brain i have to go this is part of life that it is not a it is a luxury to get to do but it's not like a frivolous thing yeah it is a a necessary and wonderful part of like mm-hmm. living and so i have to like treat it as such not that it's uh, that it can't be uh a sidelight it can't be like work is everything mm-hmm. and then like you do the other stuff when you if there's spillover time but like yeah there's you can always make more work and i have certainly done <laughs> enough of that over the years and so that like yeah. treating giving that um priority to like oh i'm gonna like go out to lunch with my wife or like make breakfast at mm-hmm. home and not worry that like i'm falling 40 minutes behind some imaginary mm-hmm. deadline that i'm holding myself to is like incredibly important yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And, like, I think the way I think about it is, like, I have an agenda for today. Yeah. And part of that is relaxing. So absolutely. So I can go to the next thing because you need to recharge. Yeah. Do you think that you have a tendency to drift towards, like, what someone might call, like, a workaholism sort of thing? Yeah, I think that that certainly exists within me, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, yeah, I think, like, when there is free time, my immediate instinct is to fill it with work yeah and it's not it's it is a productive impulse but i don't know that it's constructive Mm -hmm. it's productive in that i get shit done Mm -hmm. but it's not constructive in that it is like 
doesn't lay out a roadmap necessarily for like a happy and successful life. Yeah. So like, and this is, I'm doing better. Mm-hmm. And part of that is I just like really, my wife Maris, who's a, a brilliant writer and like literary critic and, mm-hmm. and such. She, I mean, she does and such as dismissive, but she does so many things well yeah. is what I mean. So it's like to list all the things that she's good at mm-hmm. would take I'll the whole podcast. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, please. <laughs> um, and so like, I just enjoy I love hanging out with yeah. her and it is it's much it's easy to make it a prior especially I think we met at a, a very good time mm-hmm. whereas like the previous relationship I was in I was just so hungry for like career achievement and success yes that I was not able to be like a very good partner I wasn't like I and and the way that I the ways that I tried to make up for that were not like what the person I was dating needed in a partner. You know, mm-hmm. like, I just couldn't... I think sometimes the things you do, even with the best intentions and most enthusiasm, are, like, not... You, you're not scratching the right itch. And I think that's that's probably what I was doing <laughs> at that point, was I was, like, scratching the wrong itch. And, um... But then when I met Maris, I had, like, just gotten a full-time job. I... Things have been, like, steadily good and mm-hmm. like expanding career-wise yeah. for the last since we've been together which is five years mm-hmm. and so like in a i'm less anxious that like nothing good will ever happen in my career <laughs> yeah and more um excited and eager to be like a human being and, and yeah. an available and uh available partner yeah that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, do you think the the tendency to drift towards like over uh, overworking? Yeah, that that sounds good. Yeah. Overworking comes from like an anxiety or a desire to like please everyone. Or... I think I think that's certainly part of it, and it's also like in in a a very um, like without judgment. Mm-hmm. It's just like what I've been like like when I was a <laughs> you've kid, always been this way yeah and, but it and it's also just like you know when I was in high school I did mm-hmm. a zillion activities I did theater I I played basketball my sophomore year on the JV team I was a class officer I was you know did yearbook like I just mm-hmm. did things because like part of it is wanting to please people and thinking like oh this is good for the future right sure, like, I'm yeah. sure that like like I was on the math team I didn't like math that much. I wasn't, especially in high school and middle school, it was pretty fun and, like, it was a good crowd and I was pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. But, like, I just didn't, I don't, my brain capped out in terms of, like, what, how, like, not effortlessly, but how intuitively I could pick up on math stuff. And I sure, just didn't yeah. put in the effort because I was like, well, I don't like this enough to put in the effort. Sure. So what I was doing was, like, filling my time with I would go to these meets that would be like one afternoon a month but it's all afternoon Mm -hmm. instead of being like you know what this isn't important to me yeah I'm gonna not do it and give myself that afternoon back just Mm -hmm. because I was like well this will be good for college like I should be doing it I'm getting good grades in math uh this should be something I'm good at Mm -hmm. and so I think like the idea of like being good at things is something that like makes my brain light up in a Mm -hmm. way of like oh if I can like do good or do a good job, then I I could be doing this and that will feel good. But like the adult world is just full of like so many opportunities, especially like in comedy, there are so many things you could be doing. And so like, you just can't have the idea of like, I'm going to do everything. And Mm -hmm. that's where my joy will come from is like being good and succeeding at everything at all times. Yeah. Whereas, like, when you're in school, that is, like, constantly yeah. what you're doing, right? Is, like, you are expected to achieve at high levels in, or, like, the goal is to achieve at high levels in the classroom or on the athletic field and or on the athletic field. Um, you know, there there's just, like, all these places where, like, the metric is being good enough at something for some, whether it's to win a state title or to get honor roll. And it's just, like, adult life, I think there's a lot it doesn't really prepare us for like, okay, but what do you, what do you want your life to look like? And I, I want, like, what do you want to take satisfaction in? Yeah. I think that makes sense. I, yeah. Um, and you're doing 
If you've always been doing all these things, do you consider yourself like a hyperactive person at all? I don't think so. No. I'm very sedentary. Yeah? So all the all, most of the things I do, I do either while um, sitting down or standing very still. <laughs> sure. So, but like, I, um, I bounce around a lot in terms of like things around the city. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm also very happy once I get there to mm-hmm. just like sit and bullshit with people. Sure. Uh, yeah. Okay. I could be more active physically. <laughs> well, I, I don't necessarily mean physically active. I do mean, like, emotionally or mentally. Oh. Do you consider yourself, like, I need to focus on five different things in order to feel... Yeah. Like, yeah. I do. I, I Maybe not five different things, but, mm-hmm. like, I definitely am a person who becomes, um, not, not numb, but, like, uh, things start... Like, I like variety. Mm. And so, like, mm-hmm. if I'm just doing one thing... I feel like, I feel like, I'm falling behind, which mm-hmm. is not a great mental uh, framework for things. Of like, yeah. But I will also be. I I also just like it from an enjoyment point of view. Like I like the idea of not having all my eggs in one basket. Like mm-hmm. I like leaving my job and feeling like I did a satisfying, productive day's work, and then like doing a set and going like, oh, that was for my own. That's for no one but me. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, going to uh, a comedy club or an alternative venue on the way home from work and just mm-hmm. doing 15 minutes and being like, oh, this new joke worked and nobody cares but me. It's like for my own, like nobody is holding me accountable for it. Nobody is waiting for me to deliver it. Mm-hmm. A- and I just did it because it. I found it satisfying. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um so you also do this very lovely thing on Twitter where sure. you will give out pep talks. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, I've been the recipient twice of them. And oh, I always appreciate that's it. That's lovely. Um, where does where did that idea start? I I tried to trace it because I wrote about it in my book that's coming out, and mm-hmm. it, it came about because I was feeling very frustrated and needy in my own career. Mm-hmm. And I had kind of like a modest social media following, specifically on Twitter at the time. And I remember thinking very consciously of like, I I want something, like I need something. And instead of asking for people to do something for me, like I didn't need 50 people to be like, you're going to be okay, kid. But what I needed was like that kind of like, connection with people right like I just felt like um I had a show cancel that that like wasn't gonna be a good show anyway Uh, but like I just felt bad I felt like I was kind of down in the dumps and I was like you know what if if instead of like asking for something I can like offer something Mm -hmm. I can create that same kind of connection and like and help maybe other people have a slightly better night mm-hmm. and that will that will do it for me too. Yeah. And, and that's what it was. It was the idea. And it's not, when I do it now, it's less out of like a um, neediness or like a feeling of like feeling down about things. Mm-hmm. It's more like, oh, I know that I can make this connection with people and it is it feels good to me and I think it has been meaningful for people yeah. as well. And so, so I like to do it, but it Mm -hmm. started just from being like wanting to take this like neediness I felt and, and go, well, like, what do I need? And I Mm -hmm. just like want to like telling someone that things are going to be okay. feels like telling yourself that too. Absolutely. And so when you get responses are the things that you say, sometimes things you also need to hear. Yeah, sometimes totally. Um, or things that I like tell myself frequently even if I don't need to hear it at that moment yeah like I don't know there's just like um the thing I was thinking about with my book that I've Mm -hmm. told other people and and like if somebody else had said this to me if if somebody else had come to me with the the like I'm putting out a book and I'm worried like what if people what if there are some people that really hate it and say bad things about it and what I would say to someone else is like the thought I finally had for myself which is um, that will probably happen and that's okay. Yeah. Like you don't, it, it's just not for that person yeah. and you don't, it doesn't mean it wasn't good and it doesn't mean that they're right and you're wrong. It just means like that was not a connection and that's, that's like an okay part of it. And there's so little that everyone loves universally. Yeah. And it's like, and setting out to create a thing like that is like a preposterous endeavor. 
You mentioned initially when you were doing those pep talks that you were feeling down in the dumps. Yeah. Does that happen to you a lot? Or no. no? I, I think this was like a particularly bad period in my career. I felt very stagnant. Mm-hmm. And I think like I was at a period, I was in a period in my life where like I felt like I was just on the outside in, of the career of like I feel like I was pressed up against the glass yeah. and I I could see what was inside and I felt like I belonged on the inside mm-hmm. and I just couldn't find the door yeah. like it was all windows no doors which is like a terrible way to feel right when you're just yeah. like looking at people thriving and you're like what what separates me from them other than this like invisible pain I'm so close yes yeah. and that's how I felt I yeah. felt like oh I see my friends succeeding mm-hmm. and I'm so happy for them yeah. and and I but I'm also like but why not also me mm-hmm. and, and so I was really I remember seeing the movie um, Inside Lewin Davis yes. in theaters, yes. which was like, it just like hit me in exactly the place I didn't, I didn't want to probe because I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, because to me that movie fundamentally, and I think other people have different takeaways, but fundamentally where, when I saw it, where I was in my life when I saw it, I go, this is a movie about someone who's pretty good at what he does. But not good and not as good as he thinks he is, mm-hmm. and because of that, he alienates everyone close to him in like the vain pursuit of his own greatness, which yeah. is a myth. And I was like, "Oh, that's that's what I'm doing. That's me <laughs> oh, for sure." That it was like the the darkest I remember feeling about comedy, and then about like who I was as a person, mm-hmm. because I think like as, as people when you pursue like an unorthodox or non traditional scheduled career at the very least, you know, in terms of like working nights and weekends. uh, There are ways in which I was like, I have been a friend who's not available to be at things physically or like not, you know, not around a lot. And so in the worst, the worst assumptions I make about myself is like, oh, that means I'm bad and I only care about myself and not about others. And which I don't think is true of me. But because of a confluence of circumstances, I was like, I deeply identified with it in yeah. a way that made me feel very bad. That absolutely makes sense. That is one of the most frustrating movies I've ever seen. Truly. And for those reasons. Mm-hmm. You also, like, when you're talking about, like, the, the pep talks and that sort of thing, and if those are things you tell yourself, that sounds like positive self-talk. Yeah. Um, did you come to that by yourself, or did you go through a therapeutic situation? I haven't. I haven't done therapy mm-hmm. formally um, oh. or, or informally really but like <laughs> I, I I didn't when I said it formally I was like that sounds like there's some other thing that I'm not talking about yeah. specifically but there is not I think it is something that I would benefit from but sure. I think I've like absorbed enough good mm. tips and habits yeah. from like hearing people talk about them on podcasts and like getting good advice from friends. Like I, I, we were connected through Mike Kaplan who is a person who just, I feel like is the, maybe the most centered person that I know professionally. Like absolutely. He's a person like he's, he's a person to go to when you need to hear, like not for someone to tell you like, it's going to be okay. Like Mm this will work out. He's the person who will go, it might not work out, and that is okay. Yes. And, which is, like, a really hard thing to hear when you're, like, really hoping for specific results or out- and outcomes. Yeah. But, like, it's also incredibly important. Yeah. It's, like, so... And it's such a great thing to remind yourself of, of, like, this isn't everything. This one moment isn't yeah. everything. This going well or not or going badly does not... Just, it's not a referendum on your value as a person. It doesn't. It doesn't mean the beginning or end of your career and professional mm-hmm. life. And so, um, I've I've had a lot. Of, I've been fortunate to have like good friends who have like really great perspective that have been either more accomplished than me in a lot of ways. Like which I, that's how I consider Mike, mm-hmm. and um, or just like more at peace mm-hmm. with themselves and, and able to like, yeah, here's how I think about it. You know, oh yeah, maybe I could think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it hasn't been like a therapy journey. Although again, as I said, I think like there, there is plenty that I feel like I could do better, mm-hmm. but the thing that has 
kept me from it as just like is twofold. One, I have that kind of like hubris of like things are going fine. Um, yeah, why push? Yeah, and then the other thing is like the kind of um, it is something that I have not made time for in the project of like professional work is not the only thing that is valuable, a valuable use of time. Mm-hmm. I go, you know, I could go to therapy and talk about these things that are like frustrating me or making me nervous, or I could just do them and then they're done. And sure. so like, and I think the answer is why not both? Exactly. But like I have been, um, I have not taken that step. Sure. Do you think that a certain level of discontentment is necessary to be good at art? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. I think, like, I have some discontentment. I'm overall a fairly content person. You seem it. But I I think there's also, like, I'm content in that I am happy, but then I will get discontent because they're, like, um, like, restless. Yeah. It's, like, a restlessness or, like, a a hunger to do more and different things Mm -hmm. and, like, make stuff and connect with people. But I, I think, like, I don't think unhappiness mm-hmm. is required to make art. Like I, my best work I think comes from a place of like enthusiasm. Yeah. And, and that's not everybody. Like some people do make incredible art out of like despair or mm-hmm. um, frustrated longing or, or sadness or fury. And it's just like not it's not in the emotional vocabulary that, like, I am the most skilled at articulating. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I think it's just d- different styles. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with making art from a place of um, distress. But I think, like, to mythologize that as necessary for art, like, romanticizes things that are can be destructive and I don't think are always necessary mm-hmm. you know like you can have a um a flour free cake mm-hmm. and it's so like to say that like all cakes have flour it's like well i don't have flour and you can't just go well i guess i don't get to have cake right <laughs> like there's other ways you can have your flour and cake and too yes you can <laughs> you can have your flour and cake it too yeah exactly um yeah th- but that's like a pretty firm belief yeah. I have. And, like, I think there are people who speak from, uh, speak to that from a much more eloquent and um, deeply rooted place. Like, I think reading things that, like, Chris Gethard has written mm-hmm. um, about about depression and comedy and, like, his uh, solo show. Mm-hmm. Um, shit, what was it called? Career Suicide. Yes. Um, that was a special. It was, like, really exceptional at, like, articulating... Uh, uh, those ideas and in like a much more like he has a deeper depth of understanding of like for him you know I don't want to put words in his mouth but like the 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 unhappiness and the depression I learned from like you know reading and listening Mm -hmm. don't have to be um, the driving force of the work even when it feels like they're very central to it yeah I, I definitely agree with that um, I think it's a misnomer that's been really ingrained and it's hard to get out of it. Yeah. Well, I think there's so much great sad art. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of great sad art. Even the pictures of Jesus, he's yeah. generally sad. Yeah. It's Jesus isn't like he's psyched. <laughs> I mean, like there's so many Yeah. literally iconic Yeah. and figuratively iconic as well, like mm-hmm. images that come from like unhappiness or yeah. rage or and, and those are super valid yeah but i also think like you can there are like you can express beauty and yeah. joy and uh amusement and mm-hmm. like i think th- that is all part of it mm-hmm. and to to write that off is to me it's like almost as ridiculous as saying like no art can be sad <laughs> or can come from a place of sadness absolutely what's the biggest nugget of advice for someone who is facing similar issues of you like trying to put work forward too much and that sort of thing. Oh, sure. I I think like scheduling time that is not work Mm -hmm. as as intentionally as you would schedule work. Like I 
I think just assumed that like like recreation and like decompression is not just the absence of scheduled work. Does that make sense? Where <laughs> yeah. it, and that's it's what like I assumed heat and for cold. Yes. Yeah. That's what I assumed for a long yeah. time, right? Yeah. Like if it's not hot, it must be cold. Mm-hmm. But like what I was really doing was like if it's not hot, I'll find a way to make it hot. <laughs> and and I think that's like so that was the fallacy that I was operating under that that like I would just do fun and like friendship and maintain my relationships in the cracks between the work that I've scheduled, the mm-hmm. professional obligations I've scheduled. And that's just like not good enough for me. It's not mm-hmm. like, it's not even other people's standards. It's just like, I don't need, when I do that and when I'm not intentional about making time to like, Hey, let's go see this movie we wanted to see rather than just like waiting to like, Oh, I guess I have a night off tomorrow. Do you want to go see this movie? Mm-hmm. Instead, like blocking out time to live my life and knowing that like, one, probably nothing life-changing is going to happen that night for me professionally. Like, I don't have to hold it open in hopes that, like, um, yeah. in hopes that, like, the Tonight Show will call and be like, you're guest hosting tonight. Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, which is just, like, whatever I think is going to, whatever, like, pipe dream I think would happen on that night that, yeah. I'm, make, that I'm not scheduling things for the sake of, like, maybe something will come up. And also knowing that, like, the people in your life will forgive you if something life-changing does come up. Yeah. And then knowing the difference between those two things. Knowing, like, oh, I got asked to do this set um, at, at this venue that I like, but that's not as important to me tonight as, like, making sure I keep this commitment to, um, you know, to, like, bathe the dog together. Mm-hmm. Or to, like, even just, like, oh, we, we said we were going to reorganize this room in the Mm -hmm. house or uh, we're going to try this restaurant and we didn't make a reservation, but we're going to, so like there's Mm -hmm. nothing written, you know, there's, I'm not holding myself accountable to anyone else, but I did say we would do it and I want to do it. So we will do it. Yeah. That absolutely. Yeah. So being, being as intentional about like the way you maintain your life as you are uh, as about the way you maintain your career. That absolutely makes sense. And I agree a hundred percent. Thank you. Yeah. This has been wonderful speaking Oh, it's been you. a blast, yeah. Thank you very much for making time. Thanks for having me.